All right. Well, I am going to continue our series, We Are Vineyard. Um, we're, we are nearing the end. I know if you feel like, oh gosh, like we've been in this series forever. Uh, we just got a couple of weeks left. And today is going to uh, sort of be a continuation of last week. Last week we talked pretty extensively about everyone gets to play. So our value for um, that distinctive. And we're going to sort of continue that today with equipping the saints, which we touched on last week. But I want to rewind for just a second and actually pull in a couple of things from last week that will kind of set us up uh, for where we're going. And if you want to go ahead, if you have a Bible or Bible device, we're going to go to Ephesians 4 in a minute. So you can feel free to go there. But I made this sort of thesis statement uh, last week when we were talking about everyone gets to play says, we believe that anyone, and we talked about how anyone means just what it says, anyone is anyone, everyone, can do the work of the kingdom. We don't have an elite group or superstar leaders. We are all commissioned, men, women, and children of every background. And, and we explore that. I'm not going to unpack that again this week, but it's important that we start there because the other statement that I made last week, which leads us into where we're going this week, is that if it's true that everyone gets to play, then everyone deserves the opportunity to be trained. In other words, have the opportunity to gain the tools necessary to do this kind of work um, and not just sort of flounder and, and just figure it out on your own. But as a community, if we're saying everyone can step in and participate then we should make opportunities available to sort of get trained up, to be taught, to learn how to do this stuff. Go ahead and go with me to Ephesians 4, um, because we're going to talk about what is it that we're being equipped to do. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And we looked at this a little bit last week. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here on 12 for a second. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. So we do need to pause for a second, you know, and I, I know sometimes I, I overanalyze things, right? But I'm a detail person. So if their responsibility, as we talked about, all those titles that were given are simply these are the functions of leadership that exist in the church. Now, we know when we looked at everyone gets to play, again, that doesn't mean that that the leaders are the one who get to do all the fun stuff, right? Every leader needs a team. Every team needs a leader. So leadership is valid and needs to exist. But the work of ministry is what we're talking about. What is the work of ministry? And we touched on this last week. We'll go into a little bit more uh, practically here in a couple of minutes. But it's participating in the mission and ministry of Jesus. Jesus said that he came to uh, proclaim and demonstrate the reality of the kingdom and to destroy the works of the devil. I'm sort of paraphrasing there, but that is what we're all invited into, is to participate in continuing Jesus's ministry and in doing his works, praying for healing, setting people free, serving the poor, all these 
other things that we know are things that we value. But when we're talking about the work, and I want to chase a rabbit here, but we're so grateful for all of the volunteers and leaders and everybody that pours into putting together this gathering on Sunday. And it, it, you may not realize how many people it takes. It, it takes a, a village of people to make everything that happens throughout this space happen on Sunday morning. And it's really important. The, the scripture tells us, don't forsake getting together. We need to gather as the church. But we also gather to scatter. And so we need to be careful when we're thinking about the work of ministry, church, as it's represented in a gathering on Sunday morning, is not the primary work of ministry. It's kingdom stuff. It's doing the stuff that Jesus did. And so I don't ever want to diminish the importance of gathering together um, and rubbing shoulders and looking at the word and worshiping. Something special happens when, when we do stuff corporately, when we have a shared experience, when we worship God and he encounters us and we feel his presence and we get impressions or he speaks a, a, a promise to us. All things that can happen in a gathering like this, that, that's unique and that's special. And, and things will often happen corporately that, that may not happen individually. So, so it's, in, it's of vital importance. But I like to think of it as we, we come here to encourage each other, to be trained and taught, to be prepared to then be scattered. Because we all have influence and people in our lives in our Monday to Saturday life that need the kingdom that need to be shown the practical love of Jesus, that have uh, sickness and disease and anxiety and relational strife um, or are stuck in poverty or addiction. Like we have all of these things going on in our communities, in our backyards, in, with our neighbors. And so what we do here is, is not like the total point, Right? This is, this is a stop on the journey. This is a gathering of the saints, but we gather to scatter. And we're going to look in a couple of minutes at just some real... Now, it's one of these things like there's a really long list, but I, I've narrowed it down for this morning. A few practical things that, that I think every believer in Jesus should be prepared and ready to do. And, and it may not be as difficult as you think. But when we think about the work of ministry, I want to try to make it really practical because if we're all invited into it, then we should all be able to, to get a hold of the idea, right? Okay. So going back to the scripture, their responsibility, the leaders, our responsibility is to equip you. You notice it doesn't say the leader's responsibility is to do it. Now, we're not excluded because we're still part of the body, You've heard me use this phrase before, for a pastor or a leader, uh, you can use this phrase first among equals. In other words, we do have some people that are designated to lead, that have a measure of responsibility over certain things, but it's not because they're better than. It's a first among equals. We're all part of the kingdom family, and we simply have people who have a calling to step out and lead. But our responsibility is to equip God's people, that's all of us, ourselves included, to do the work of ministry, to build up the church and the body of Christ. 
This, it says in verse 13, will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Well, I, I, I could stop just at that phrase, when we all come together in such unity of our faith. Doesn't that sound nice? Like, I don't know if you look around at kind of the collective church in our country or even around the globe, but it doesn't always look like unity, right? But again, to point back to some of the things we've said in previous messages, one of the ways to unify is to focus on what we're for and not what we're against. Like, don't define yourself by what you're against. And keep the main thing the main thing. We don't have to all agree on every uh, interpretation or secondary doctrine or what does this little side passage mean if we agree about the main things. If we're about the kingdom work, if we're about acknowledging Jesus is Lord, he made a way, I can have a relationship with him, that has a real effect in my life. My life can be different because of Jesus and extending his kingdom in all the practical ways that we love. We'll be able to unify around that common value. Okay, let's get practical for a minute. Um, actually, let's jump... Sorry, I'm, I'm rearranging on the fly here. I want to jump to 1 Timothy. This is a scripture uh, towards the end. 1 Timothy, we're just going to read the first couple of verses because I think this helps set up uh, where we're going with our practical steps. Uh, first couple of verses, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Now, we talk about how the kingdom is, is here but not fully here. Like, that's what he's referring to is eventually Jesus is coming back again and he's going to, like, finalize everything. Verse 2, but preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Uh, some translations say in season and out. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Well, this is a verse that's often used, uh, you know, if somebody's going into the ministry and there's sort of a, a charge or call, like, you know, this is what you're to do. And I think that's a, a fair application. But I want to focus on this idea that if we believe that we're all called to participate in the kingdom ministry, we're all called to, to do the stuff that Jesus did, uh, we should follow that same pattern. We should always be prepared. Now, some of you already starting to get anxiety in your mind. You know, well, this means I have to memorize the Romans road or I have to carry around, you know, a chain reference Bible or like we're not we're not talking. about. I'm trying to make this practical and simple, but it's important that we start with the fact that we should be ready. And and the thing that I want to encourage us with this morning, again, it's I, I should give this disclaimer. It's like inc including but not limited to. Right? Every disciple of Jesus should be trained and ready to do these three things. Share their story, pray for the sick, and invite people into the kingdom. Now, I could add dozens and dozens of, of ands after that, but I think if we focus on those three, if we are confident and ready and listening to the Holy Spirit to consistently do those three things, uh, I think it'll, it's going to take us really far. 
And that's part of what we want to be about as a church is training you how to do those things. Now, I don't have time in this morning's message to like do an in-depth training on each of these. And, and, and we're all at different places with it too, right? Like some of us are more comfortable than others uh, with one or, or any of these. But I want to look at them just briefly. First, and you've heard me say this before. You know, when you think about telling someone about Jesus or that, you know, to use the biblical word evangelism, you can make it as simple as share your story. Ask this simple question. Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? And, and there's a truth to this that maybe you aren't good at memorizing scripture or sort of a canned presentation, but you own your story. You know how Jesus has made a difference in your life. And if you can share that, you'll, you'll, that's a, a, an important step. Just share your story. Don't be intimidated when people have uh, questions. It's totally okay to say, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and growing. I, I don't have all the answers. But here's the other key. When you start uh, with just Scripture or with a story or with an illustration... Sometimes people want to argue. They can't argue with your story. They can't argue with what, when you're saying, I met Jesus and this thing in my life that used to be this way is now this way. There's no room for argument there. Because you as a person are a living testimony of that. That's your lived experience. And so I think we can all learn how to better tell our story. And, and I think that, that question is a great just sort of tool to have in your pocket. And as I told you before, this is not like I expect every person you bump into needs to hear your story. But I think if we uh, believe, as we say we do, that we're all uh, able to hear from God, we're all able to be in touch with the Holy Spirit, a big piece of evangelism is simply listening and watching for him to point out Who's ready to hear that story? So rather than just, you know, like machine gun, you know, everybody that I run into, but I'm praying with an awareness. Jesus, who, who needs to hear my story today? Who needs to be? And so with that in mind, you're just looking, you're listening, you're watching. And when that opportunity comes, because Jesus is a lot better than I am, at knowing who's ready and knowing who my story is going to connect with. And so sort of following this, and I hope, I hope you feel like, you know, this again, this is like lowering the bar. This is not like a, you don't need to take a master class on evangelism. You just need to learn through relationship how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to see what the Father's doing, and then you know, for some of us, it's like when that moment comes, you hear, feel that, that urge or that whatever, and, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know these people. I don't want to talk to these people. Just stop. Jesus, you're in me. You've called me. Let's do this. He will give you what you need to step out. And, and I'll be honest, you might need to do that a lot <laughs> because... As we've said before, the enemy has no reason to resist you if you're not doing something important. 
But if you're hearing from the Holy Spirit and he's pointed out some person and you're feeling uh, an urge to go talk to them and share your story, that sounds like kingdom business to me and the enemy doesn't, doesn't want you to be about that. So you actually need to train yourself. Oh, when I feel that little bit of resistance, that's actually an encouragement. I actually, I know, we, we used to say it this way. If you feel scared, just do it. Scared. Right? Like if you, if you have to feel confident and comfortable and have three confirmations and feel like, yes, this is, you're, you're probably going to miss a lot of opportunities. But if you feel that, that little resistance or that little doubt, you know what? Just step out and try it. See what happens. And I guarantee you, if not every time, Many of those times, Jesus is going to meet you in that moment. That story is going to connect, and you're going to get to participate in something, as I said before, that's more fun than anything you could think to do. Okay? So I think we can all do this. We can all share our story. And and there are more practical things that we could uh, talk about, but I want to kind of leave you wanting for more. But just think of it that way, sharing your story. Can I tell you what Jesus has done for me? The second one, which we talk about a lot, is praying for the sick. And you guys are familiar. Again, I just did these simple little questions. And it's really key. And I've had this happen multiple times. Um, I'm not going to tell the, the whole story. Uh, but someone, some of you know a little bit of this. Someone called the church office the other day. Just random person. They're not even local. And the way they introduced themselves on the phone. Hi, and I'm not going to share the name. Hi, my name's so-and-so. Uh, I'd like to share my criticisms of Christianity with you. All right, this conversation's off to a strong start. Well, long story short, uh, I, I gave some time to listen, and and uh, I, I'll be honest, and I, I told several people this when this first happened, you know, I, and may, maybe this is terrible to say, but if we're honest, it would have been really easy to just hang up the phone. Like, you know, like, I don't have time for this. This person might be crazy. I don't see where this conversation is going to go anywhere fruitful. You know, like, that would have been easy. Or I could have just, you know, put it on speaker and slid over and played solitaire, you know, while he went. <laughs> but I just felt in my spirit, and I was, honestly, I was I was still a little annoyed to start off, but I just felt, I'm, I need to give this person a little time. I just I just need to listen, because here's the other piece of this. The thing is not always the thing, right? And so if we're, if we're leaning on the Holy Spirit, you know, so this person's talking about contradictions they see and, you know, all these issues they've had with the church, which is valid. I mean, I can't tell someone how to feel, and I don't know their lived experience. So that, that's their experience. I can't argue with that. But I'm also listening because Holy Spirit's saying the thing is not the thing. This is not why they've called. I mean, they think this is why they've called. And so the conversation begins to turn. And uh, this person is asking me a, a, to sort of give answer for a particular, uh, as they see it, contradiction. And all of a sudden in my mind, I remembered where Jesus asks one of the disciples, well, who do you say that I am? And, of course, we know that story. I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but, you know. They give answer. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. And, well, but who do you say that I am? Oh, well, you're, you're the Christ. 
you're the Messiah, you're the Savior. And I thought, you know, and, and all this is going on in my mind as this person's talking. I'm thinking, what, like, where is, it, you know, where is this going? I don't know how this connects to what's going on here. But I just kind of, there comes a break in the conversation. It kind of seems like a space where it's my turn to talk. And I said, friend, I think the questions that you're asking are probably better revealed to you in your own relationship with Jesus than me trying to explain it to you. I just don't think I can probably put it together in the right way. I said, but in order for that to happen, do you have that? relationship like do you do you consider yourself a, a follower of jesus or you know do you, do you know him personally uh well i'm i'm an ex-christian i'd been confused by the church hurt by the church and basically had now set out on this mission to call churches literally all over the country to to give pastors or leaders to give answer for these apparent contradictions and I said, I, I understand that. That's, again, that's that person's lived experience. I cannot argue with their lived experience. But then I asked another question. I said, well, if we can set that aside, set these contradictions and these questions aside, who do you think Jesus is? Like, do you think that he's real and is who he says he is? And he says, well, I think he was a real person, kind of like a celebrity or a famous person. But, but then the historians just sort of spun this story up to make it bigger than it really you know, so Okay, so you, know, so you don't think Jesus is who he says he is. He's not, he's not God. I said, if you were sitting here in the office across the chair from me, you would be able to know that I'm real because you would be experiencing me, right? You could, you know, if it was appropriate, you could reach out and touch me. You can hear my voice. You, can, you know, there's there's ways, and you wouldn't question that I'm real because you're you're you've experienced me. I said if there was a way that you could know that Jesus is real in that same way because you've experienced him, you've felt him in a way that like you can't just shake it off. Like I I, I this is not something I've experienced. Would you be open to that? Well, I I don't I don't think that that's possible. But if that was a thing, yeah, yeah, I, I, if Jesus could show me and let me feel that he's real. I said, all right, well, can I pray for you? Well, no, not really. I, I, I don't know about doing this over the phone. I'm like, well, you've already shared you're not local, so that's kind of all we got, bud. Can, will you give me 30 seconds? And this, I just, yeah, if it'll make you feel better. <laughs> I'm like... I'm hoping it'll make you feel better. <laughs> and I prayed a very simplistic, anybody down to the kids in, in the pre-K could pray this prayer. Like, it, it's not, it wasn't fancy, but, you know, Jesus, would you come and show my friend that you're real in a way that he can feel and experience and he won't be able to shake it off? Just show yourself to him. In Jesus' name, Amen everything about now again you know this is on the phone i can't see the person but his whole demeanor completely changed and i started you know, kind of trying to ask follow-up questions and it was like he couldn't quite put sentences together anymore and it was like and and he he didn't he didn't admit in the context of that conversation 
that he had experienced that Jesus was real. But everything completely changed. Like, I just, I just know something was going on there. And eventually, you know, we talked a little bit. And, you know, I, feel free to call me anytime. You know, I'll be happy to talk to you, whatever. And eventually, just kind of in a, I don't know, it, it just, I perceived it as a state of kind of confusion, I guess. All right, well, thanks for the call. And I'm thinking, you called me, but okay. Now, that's a fun story. I love that story. I mean, that, that was a fun thing to participate in. But that's not like because I'm a pastor. It's just because I happen to be the person that answered the phone that day. I happen to be able, with Holy Spirit's help, to get over my self-centered annoyance and listen for what he was doing. I think we can all do that. I think we can all listen, say what the Holy Spirit's saying, and be ready. Now, I kind of took us a different direction because we were supposed to be talking about praying for the sick. But in those types of interactions, and we've used this question before, can use this simple question, can I pray for you right now? Now, I didn't phrase it exactly that way this time on the phone. But, you know, I've had multiple interactions where I bump into someone in person and you know, something comes up through conversation or there's something obviously wrong and they may be a believer or they may not. But I'll say, can I pray for you? And they almost always say, yeah, because in their mind, that means, you know, when you go home, and maybe they don't even believe you're really going to do it, but it's like one of those, you know, polite sayings, you know, oh, I'll pray for you, you know, and, and I'm not saying that we don't mean it, but, you know, it, it can be that way. And I have found it so important. It's an opportunity to see the kingdom if you say, can I pray for you right now? And as I've told you before, I 150% believe in the reality of the healing ministry of Jesus, that he can come in a moment and set things to right. But the most important thing, when you encounter someone like that, regardless of what happens, like if, if according to what you see, nothing happens, or if something dramatic happens and things get set to right dramatically in the moment, the most important thing is that that person feels loved, seen, and connected to Jesus. And so this is why we say, can I pray for you right now? Because what you're saying is, I'm setting the things that I have to do next aside, and I'm willing to listen, and I'm willing to invest some time in you. And, and you know, we don't have to say all this part, but it's like, even if the kingdom doesn't come fully in this moment, you are worth it to Jesus, therefore you're worth it to me. You're worth some inconvenience to myself. You're worth my time. And then we know the fun part of that is sometimes we say, come Holy Spirit or, or back be healed, and, all, and you know the pain leaves. Or, or the, the motion that they couldn't do, you say, well, try to do something you couldn't do, and suddenly they can do it. The impossible became possible. And again, like, we, we don't control that. We don't have like a special formula to manipulate and, and make that happen. But isn't that the fun part? That we see stuff happen like, that can't happen. But it did. I can't do that. But Jesus did. Like, I, 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 don't, I just honestly don't know what's more fun. But we need to always be ready. Always be willing. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have boundaries you know, but I think more often than not, we need to seem to be ready and willing. Can I pray for you 
right now with an expectation. This is, this is key. I shared at Holy Spirit night last month. The Lord had given me this phrase, and, and I, I illustrate it with food because that's easy for me. Um, the Lord came to me that night and simply said, you have to delight before you desire. Okay, well, what does that mean? Like, I mean, we weren't, like, it wasn't in the context of a conversation. And then this illustration comes to mind. It's like, if there's, like, some new place in town that opens some restaurant or something, and they have, like, a totally different genre of food that I've never tried, I'm probably, now, some of us thinking, yeah, like, I just like new experiences, so I'm, but for the most part, I don't know what that food tastes like. So I don't, I don't, like, have a, a desire or an urge. But if I go there and I try it, and it's like a positive experience, like, oh, that, that was delightful, that, that was tasty, that, that was good, that was fresh, that was awesome, that begins to create in me a, a, a desire because I've tasted that thing and it was really good. And that's where there begins to be a desire. The next time I get hungry, I remember, oh, yeah, you know, last week we, we tried that place at like. That was really good, and I might start to desire or want that thing. The the same is true for the kingdom. Once you begin to get a taste, once you begin to have an experience, it, it can build that desire for more. And so if you're saying to yourself, you know, well, this stuff sounds good. I, I, I want to participate, but, you know, I've just never seen it. This is why we, we do training. This is why we kind of give you tracks to run on, to, to get you started, to get you to a place where you can taste of it. And as you taste of it and as you be obedient to the Father to keep doing it, you'll notice that desire will begin to build. The kingdom is the only place where the more you eat, the hungrier you get. In other words, the more you taste of the fruit of the kingdom, the more you step out and try it when you don't feel like it makes sense and you're going to look silly, and yet Jesus meets you and shows up. The more you do that, the hungrier you are to do it the next time. And so if you don't feel like, you know, like it sounds good, but I don't, I don't really feel pulled to that. I don't feel, you just need to come to the table and taste it. Just try it. Just just see. Just step out and try. Ask someone, can I pray for you? You might feel like, you know, I'm not someone that has ever put my hand on someone and seen them healed by me participating with the kingdom in prayer. That's not an excuse to not try. Jesus would love to meet you in that. Can I pray for you right now? Okay. Uh, last one that I think we can all be ready and prepared to do is simply invite people into the kingdom. Now, I'm kind of packing a lot of different things, and we talked before about, again, when it comes to sort of discerning and seeing people, you know, asking Jesus, you know, because it's like people are at different places in how close they are to, like, fully entering into the kingdom. Some people are, are like, so far away, they're, like, antagonistic. You know, as soon as they hear the word Jesus, it's like, no, thank you, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, not interested in the conversation. Um, and so if that, you know, the way you approach that is totally different. But I think, again, if we're listening and we're looking and we're watching, 
who there are also people that are like teetering on the edge. They're like, if I can use switch analogies, they're like they're like so ripe it's about to fall off the vine. It's like they could almost fall into the kingdom. And so if we're looking and we're asking Holy Spirit, He's gonna He's gonna let us participate in some of those. You be the agent that comes up and again. Like you don't have to have all the skills and the literature. It's just a matter of being obedient. Jesus shows you that one. And you know, it might be something as simple as, you know, God told me to just come tell you that he sees you and he loves you. It could be as simple as that. You think, well, that's not going to bring anybody into the kingdom. You don't know what all Holy Spirit's already been doing in that person. You don't know how close they are. That might be exactly the same thing that opens the door, that that makes them take that final step and say, you know, I, I, I've been wondering about that. I've been thinking about that. I, you know, I used to have more faith, and I kind of slipped away from it. Like, you just never know how these simple things. Uh, we used to sing a song uh, in the church I grew up called, Little is Much When God is in It. Like, God can take something that is, to you, seems so small, and he can do really, really great things with it. So you might think just telling somebody, hey, Jesus sees you and he loves you, that seems like a really small thing. But Jesus can do more with that than you could possibly imagine. We're not going to take time to read it, but you know, we could go to the story of the loaves and fishes. You know, a little boy's lunchbox feeds thousands of people. Like, that's the consummate demonstration of that principle like the little boy brought what he had it was simple it was easy this is what i've got this is what mom put in my lunchbox this is what i got and jesus can take that little and do much more than you could ever think or imagine so just to give you another simple question sometimes again you're just leaning on holy spirit to to see you know when's the right time to ask but it's like are you ready to take a step towards jesus now, you know, that, might, that might be worded different, but that, that's the essence, right? If we're all on a journey, and again, it's like even the people at the far end of the spectrum that like are maybe even hateful towards the church and towards Christianity, like they're still on a journey. You know, that conversation that I had with my new friend on the phone, and I, and I said this to, to the person during the conversation, I said, it sounds to me like you're, you're looking for something. You know, to take the time to, to you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm relating it in an old school way, you know, to like flip through the yellow pages and call churches. I know that's like, I'm sure they Googled it, but it's like, but you're taking the time to do that. To what end? Because you're looking for answers. You want somebody to give answer. And again, I, I, I knew in my natural sense, like, I'm not smart enough to talk this person out of this. You know, like I'm, I'm not clever enough to, to therapize this person into the kingdom. And I have some training in, in how to ask questions and, you know, and, and to do those sort of things. But that's not what that person needs. I have to share this too. Uh, two of Brittany and I's closest friends from North Carolina are professional Christian counselors. And we have a, a little ongoing group text where we see, uh, you know, funny marquee signs or whatever around. We send them to it. It's just one of the ways we stay connected. And now a lot of times they're church marquees, but it's like, but, you know, something just is funny to us. 
So uh, Brittany saw this one yesterday that we sent. We, we just call them the girls. They're our two female friends. Um, we saw this, and I thought, it was, it was funny, sad, and true. It said, stop giving people advice that just need a hug. How often do we do that as believers? We think we're, we're smart enough. We've got it together enough that I, I'm, I'm, now I'm not saying that you never give advice, right? But we need to be sensitive to when that's needed and when it's asked for. But so many times it's like we want to explain stuff to people and all they need is an experience of Jesus. All they need is to encounter his love, to know that they're not alone, to know that there's a place for them in the kingdom. And they're not going to get to that with our clever advice. So as I was saying, we're all on this spectrum of this journey towards Jesus. And we're all at different places. We're sometimes all maybe going different directions. But if you can imagine with me, if you will, Jesus is at the center. And and this is how I like to think about it. It doesn't matter where you're at on on the, the big diagram. But are you ready to take a step towards Jesus? Jesus is in the center, and maybe I'm, I'm over here. Maybe a one step is just to, to go 45 degrees this way. Or maybe it's just... But wherever the person is at, and Holy Spirit will often give you information to help you figure out where they're at or what that step is. But be willing and ready to ask people, are you ready to take a step towards Jesus? These two are are inexplicitly linked. Everyone gets to play. Everyone should be able to be trained. So we need to be about equipping the saints. There is a very real reality to if all of the work of the kingdom is left to the pastors and leaders, we are going to be very limited in our effect. But if we imagine ourselves as, I don't want to overemphasize like the military, militant aspect of this, but as an army of kingdom people, not, not an army of like angry, violent people in the natural sense, but an army of like kingdom warriors whose enemies are not flesh and blood, like the people are never your problem. You know, the person that called me on the phone that I was starting to get annoyed with, he wasn't my problem. My problem was that at that moment I encountered something and I realized I still had a little bit of selfishness that was trying to creep up. And with the Holy Spirit's help, I was able to push past that and participate in somebody encountering the kingdom. Why don't you stand? I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and come up. I just want to pray this over us. And then we're going to spend some time worshiping together. And after that, I'll come back up and we'll, we'll pray for each other and, and see what the Holy Spirit is up to. But I just, want to, I just want to start just asking the Holy Spirit, would you show us how to do this? Like I even think of myself like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the primary teacher in this scenario. 
You know, I mean, I am part of that group that our charge is to equip the saints. But the primary learning and education of this is between you and the Holy Spirit. Because the best place that it happens is in that moment where you decide to take that step. And you have to listen. You have to depend. You learn more in that moment than anything that I could teach you on a Sunday morning. And the last thing I would say before we pray, I've, I've made this a practice of mine for many years now. After the encounter, ask Jesus lots of questions. I, I mean, because I've, I've had it go good, bad, great, ugly, I mean, all of the spectrum. But regardless how it goes, ask Jesus lots of questions. If it flops, okay, Jesus, what was going on there? What, what, what were you doing? I, you know, maybe I missed it. But you were still doing something. What were you what were you doing that I could have how could I have better partnered with you? He's he's ready and willing to answer those questions and to teach you and train you. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. Jesus, we need you to equip us. Uh, not just with teaching and training and tools, but we need the power of your Holy Spirit. And we need your grace, we need your boldness to be willing to look past ourselves and see what you're doing, to see where your kingdom is showing up in the people and places around us. Would you speak to us now? Would you uh, intersect our lives? Would you encounter us? Would you let us in worship experience you today in ways that we can feel and smell and touch so that we understand again and at a new level how real you are how much you love us how much you want a relationship with us and how much you want to partner with us to expand your kingdom in jesus name amen